You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. Today, we're going to meet Mrs. M. Gainsford from Great Bend, Kansas. Although her story is ultimately somewhat tragic, it's also incredibly inspiring about a young woman who was a talented photographer, as well as an extraordinarily successful business entrepreneur. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Hi, everybody. Today's episode is going to take place mostly in Great Bend, Kansas. But before I bring you the story of the photographer, first I want to try to set the stage by taking you back in time to the history of Barton County, Kansas, where Great Bend is located, in the early 1870s. Now, Great Bend really got going around 1872. And really, the business was the cattle herding that was passing through from Texas on its way to Newton, Kansas. I found this great biographical history of Barton County, Kansas, that was published by the Great Friend Tribune in 1912. And let me just read you a little bit of their story of the early days in Great Bend. Quote, like all Western towns of that period, Great Bend was a typical border settlement and was made up of a population that included many cattlemen and buffalo hunters. The hunters sold their hides in Great Bend, and the cattlemen loaded their stock on the cars in which they were taken to the markets. The first cattle drive through Great Bend from Texas was in 1872, and that continued until 1874. 1874, though, was a year that was famous or notorious for a plague of grasshoppers. That year has since been referred to as, quote, the grasshopper year. For several days, these pests were in evidence in such great numbers that at times they obscured the sunlight and devoured everything with which they came into contact that was not proof against their hunger and ferocity. It is related by old-timers that the hoppers would swoop down on a field of corn, and when they rose, there would be nothing left to denote that there had ever been anything in the spot except the bare prairie. The old-timers also tell of the pests having often eaten clothing, and incidents are cited where they actually stopped a railroad train by piling on the tracks in such numbers as to make it impossible for the engines to push their way through them. Now, the history book goes on to say that during 1874, a change was made in the city administration. D.N. Heiser became treasurer, A.C. Moses, the city clerk, and a man named James Gainsford took William Leake's place as one of the city marshals. What that book doesn't mention, but what I want to add to their tale of 1874, was that year was the first year that I found notices for Mrs. M. Gainsford's photograph gallery. The first mention appears in July of 1874, and then there are other notices that make it clear that in 1874, Mrs. Gainsford's gallery was one of two photographer galleries in town, the other one run by a J.B. Miller. Now, who was this Mrs. Gainsford who was braving 
cattle and cowboys and grasshoppers there in 1874 in Great Bend. Minerva Hendricks was born in Ohio to Isaac and Sarah Hendricks. She had a sister named Mira and a real sense of adventure. Well, both of them did, actually, because by 1870, the 18-year-old Minerva Hendricks and her sister Mira and her sister Mira's husband, Samuel Weaver, are all pioneer settlers in Abilene, Kansas. Now, according to an article in the 1870 newspaper, Abilene really isn't much of a town yet, but it's growing. There's already a newspaper in town, which is where I have this notice about it being a growing town, and the newspaper has plenty of stories about the exploits happening with the crime that the young police officers are combating there in town, one of those police officers being a man named James Gainsford. It was funny, in the 1871 paper in Abilene, there's a sort of a puff piece trying to encourage people to come to Abilene and settle there. And they say that they have a really growing town that has a lot of good things. They have two schoolhouses. They have two churches. They really have something of every trade and profession, except what they don't have is a photography gallery. But that is corrected before very long because in April of 1871, a man named W. Graham takes up that call and opens the first photograph gallery in Abilene, Kansas. By early 1872, a second gallery is opened in town by a woman named Mrs. H. H. Levi. But for reasons which will become a little bit clearer in a bit, I want to focus on Mrs. Gainsford today, so Mrs. Levi's story is going to have to wait. But I did want to point out that she is actually the second photographer there in Abilene, Kansas, this wild western town. And she has this great ad in the paper that has an interesting headline. It says, pictures, exclamation point. Pictures, two exclamation points. Pictures, three exclamation points. It's kind of eye-catching. But as I said, we really want to focus on Mrs. Gainsford in Great Bend today. So let's go back to Minerva Hendricks. As I said, in 1870, she's living in Abilene with Mira and Sam Weaver. That's her sister Mira and her brother-in-law Sam. Sam, if I haven't mentioned before, he's a baker. Now at some point in 1871, 19-year-old Minerva Hendricks marries the dashing James Gainsford, that law officer whose exploits and shootouts with the bad guys are always covered in the newspapers. James and Minerva have a daughter named Ada, who was also born in 1871. Now, it's not clear when or where Mrs. Gainsford actually got into photography. Now, most contemporary sources say she moved to Great Bend to follow her husband, James Gainsford. He had actually left Abilene and moved west to Great Bend in 1872 to take up a job policing Great Bend because that city was being established and, of course, there was lawlessness there, too. Minerva and their daughter Ada didn't follow James to Great Bend until 1874, when James is actually elected the second marshal in Great Bend. We can, as I mentioned, see notices in the newspaper that by 1874, Mrs. M. Gainsford is running a photography studio in Great Bend. She's not the first photographer there, that was that J.B. Miller, but she is the first woman running a studio in Great Bend. It's funny, there's a blurry scan I found online of a CDV done by Mrs. Gainsford, and it's of three cowboys or maybe buffalo hunters posing in Mrs. Gainsford's studio. That, of course, was the clientele and the settlers that the history of Barton County book talks about as populating the town in the early 1870s. 
But of course, Mrs. Gainsford had that respectable business, as did Mr. Miller, the other photographer. And in the same notices in the newspaper with the photograph gallery ads, there are also listed some other equally respectable businesses in town, including a milliner and a dressmaker, both of whom were women. But in 1876, the town officials in Great Bend decided that there were just too much debauchery and undesirable elements in town as a result of having the cattle drive actually going through the downtown of Great Bend. So they actually moved that outside of town to clean up the town. But even before that happens, Mrs. Gainsford is successfully running her studio So she doesn't need to wait for the town to clean up in order to have people who want to come and have their pictures taken. Now I should note that I don't, as I said, know where she actually got her start in photography. I would really like to think that she started when she was Abilene and learned from that Mrs. Levi in 1872 or 1873 before she moved to Great Bend. But of course I have no evidence of that. But I do know that Mrs. Gainsford at least was very supportive when she was a photographer of teaching young women who wanted to learn how to do the profession of photography. There are numerous mentions over the years of young women coming to work for Mrs. Gainsford and then later going off and establishing their own studios. There's one, Mrs. Cohen in Medicine Lodge, Kansas, who actually comes to study with Mrs. Gainsford in Great Bend in 1880 and then goes back to Medicine Lodge and gets her husband to build her a photography studio that she can run there. Mrs. Gainsford advertises extensively in the newspaper, and her ads chronicle her changing styles or changing types of work, everything from studio work to eventually taking pictures of places in town and selling them, presumably as the forerunner of a postcard of things in town. Her ads can be really standard, just talking about the kinds of things, like she's got carts of visites, or she's got the gems, the little tiny photos that were much of the fashion in the 1870s. There are also some very creative ads in the paper for Mrs. Gainsford's gallery, ones that tout her as the popular photo artist who is really incredibly talented and really knows what she's doing. Um, At one point, she even has in the paper a poem that she has for her ad. And let me just read you a little bit of this. This is also from 1880. The first stanza is, This election is over and all settled down. Mrs. Gainsford's gallery is still in the town. Then bring in the lassies, the youths and the maids, and have their bright faces before the bloom fades. My light is the best, my chemicals new, so give me a call, I will try to please you, by making nice photos of you for your friend, so when you receive one, you have one to send. And it goes on. I'll try to transcribe this whole thing for the episode notes that you'll find on the web. But it's just really striking to have that kind of creativity and really talk about all the different kinds of services and styles and things that you've done in your gallery to make it look new and repaint and have new scenery and have new frames and all those kinds of things. Now, one thing that she mentions early on is the importance of what she calls retouching. And we've talked about this on the podcast, and that's the idea of adding some color to the black and white images. In one of her ads, Mrs. Gainsford defines retouching as, quote, the art of removing defects from photographs and giving the picture a lifelike appearance instead of the expressionless cast of the ordinary photographs. There's even a mention that is put in the paper that one of her retouched photos makes the sitter look so gorgeous that the husband prefers the photograph to the original. 
Anyway, Mrs. Gainsford uh, is really pushing her skills of all kinds of photography from the moment she starts taking notices in the newspaper in 1874. And by 1876, she's starting talking about retouching more and more, and therefore it's probably not a surprise when she announces in November of 1876 that she has lured a man named L.O. Ives to come work for her. He is the very talented retoucher who she's bringing all the way from Michigan to work for her in Great Bend. So Mrs. Gainsworth's gallery is going really strong. Her business is really flourishing, even though she's only been in business in 1876 for just a few years. But life is about to change. So before I get to that, I want to take a step back to the early 1870s again. Now, back in Abilene, there was another man named Arthur A. Hurd who worked as a law clerk in Abilene. Just like James Gainsford, Arthur A. Hurd decides to move to Great Bend, where he becomes one of the first settlers of Great Bend as well. He winds up being the first mayor of Great Bend. But what's really critical for our story today is that Arthur A. Hurd gets married on February 12, 1875, to a woman named Ellen Frances Johnson Morris. Well, her name actually is rather complicated, as I've already talked about here on the podcast, because we know her best as Frankie Morris. I'll refer you back to the previous episode about Frankie Morris. Um, Of course, she interacts with the podcast and with our story today as well, when she was known as Mrs. F.M. Hurd, the wife of Arthur A. Hurd, as I said, the first mayor in Great Bend. Arthur and Frances get married in 1875, and there's not really any mention of them until August of 1876, when Mrs. Frankie Hurd is mentioned in the newspaper as having cultivated a melon patch this summer. It says one of the musk melons she grew measured 36 inches in circumference, and this is emphatically a great bend melon too, raised in town, which apparently was a big deal in 1876. But Mrs. Hurd apparently isn't that interested in farming. And so by April of 1877, she's turned her sights in a different direction. She is going to become a photographer. So in April of 1877, Mrs. Hurd opens her gallery with an ad on the same page that Mrs. Gainsford actually has an ad. It's actually Mrs. Gainsford is at the top, Mrs. Hurd's ad is at the bottom, and Mrs. Hurd's ad actually kind of models itself on that earlier pictures, pictures, pictures ad that we saw Mrs. Levi do. And Mrs. Gainsford actually copied that at one point too, but now Mrs. Hurd is copying that style by changing it to photographs, exclamation point, photographs, exclamation point. In the early days of 1877, when Mrs. Hurd had been planning her studio, she had actually lured that L.O. Ives, the retoucher who had just been brought from Michigan to work at Mrs. Gainsford's studio in November of 1886. Well, Mrs. Hurd lures L.O. Ives over to her studio, where he starts working for Mrs. Hurd instead of Mrs. Gainsford. Of course, it turns out that Mr. Ives wound up as a bit of a crook and a fraudster, so I think that Mrs. Gainsford was probably better off in the end without his services, although it may not have struck her that way at the time, since she had paid for him to come all the way out from Michigan to work for her. But in January of 1877, and the early days of February of 1877, this was probably the least of Mrs. Kingsford's worries. Now, there's an innocuous notice in the newspaper the January, the early days of January of 1877 that Mrs. Gainsford is off in Abilene visiting friends and family. 
although it sounds very fun, the reason was actually far more serious because Mira Weaver, Minerva Gainsford's sister, dies in January of 1877. Let me read you a little bit from this obituary that's in the newspaper on Friday, January 12th, 1877. That's in the Abilene Weekly Chronicle. Mrs. M. H. Weaver of Abilene departed this life January 3rd, 1877, in her 27th year. Mrs. Weaver settled in this place with her husband, Samuel Weaver, in the year 1870. After talking about her religious background and her activity in the local churches in Abilene, the obituary concludes, She leaves a husband and two small children to mourn her loss. The children, two bright little boys, aged respectively five months and four years, will be taken by their aunt, Mrs. Gainsford, to Great Bend, who, as a loving sister of the absent mother, will no doubt do all in her power to fill in the mother's place. So that's really what Mrs. Gainsford was occupied with in the beginning of 1877, at that moment that Mrs. Hurd poached Mr. Ives from her gallery. And Mrs. Gainsford's sister, Mira, died at the age of just 27 and left those two young sons, one an infant and one age four. Now, although... Mira Weaver's husband, Samuel Weaver, was still alive. This isn't the first time we've seen a single father not being able to raise his small children. So it's certainly possible that Minerva Gainsford took both of those little boys back to Great Bend, as the obituary says. But in the 1880 census, just three years later, Minerva and James Gainsford are living in Great Bend with their daughter Ada, who is age nine, and Jesse Weaver, their nephew, age three, but there's no other little boy. Given the predominance of notices in the paper that talk about little children dying of a variety of elements, we can't rule out a possible scenario that Jesse's older brother, the older nephew, had died by 1880. Or, well, I like to hold out hope that it was possible that the older boy actually didn't go with Mrs. Gainsford, but instead went back to Ohio with his father, and that's where Samuel Weaver was from. His older boy could have been raised by Samuel Weaver's mother somewhere back in Ohio, I've got no evidence to support either theory, and I haven't even been able to track down that older nephew's name. But, you know, sometimes you just want to hope for the happy story instead of the sad one. Mrs. Gainsford's business continues to thrive after she brings back at least her youngest nephew, uh, Jesse, and continues to live with her husband, James, and their daughter, Ada, there in Great Bend. I know Ads are in the paper all the time, all kinds of notices, as I said. I mean, I love the one that's in the paper in 1879 that calls Mrs. Gainsford the proprietor of the finest photograph rooms this side of Topeka. They are well adapted to the business and so arranged as to enable her to secure at all times the most desirable light. Because, of course, we're talking 1879 when there was no electric light or anything like that. And these photograph galleries were carefully provisioned with windows and skylights so that there would be a lot of light in the rooms when she was taking pictures. Now, Mrs. Gainsford didn't only do studio photography. There are also notices later on that she's doing things of taking pictures in town and that kind of thing. So she really is doing stuff that is, runs the gamut of the kind of photography that was done in this period. There's also a a fun notice in 1884 that describes Mrs. Gainsford's gallery and a little bit more of a hint into what the business was like. Let me just read you a little bit of this. 
Mrs. M. Gainsford at the old and reliable Great Bend Photograph Gallery received yesterday the largest and handsomest lines of Christmas photograph goods ever displayed in the Arkansas Valley. The stock embraces mats, mounts, and frames of all sizes and descriptions. Those vary from the smallest up to those suitable for 8x10 pictures, and from plain and unadorned up to those that are models of beauty and elegance, among which are gilt frames for panel pictures, velvet frames in all colors and patterns, including the palette and brush pattern. So we get a sense that Mrs. Gainsford really is understanding that she needs to modernize circa 1884 and start, you know, and offer everything that photographers offer, but she is really excelling in presenting this to her public there in Great Bend. What's interesting, though, is that she's not limited just to making money from photography. She actually is an entrepreneur in other areas as well, and that Mrs. Levi back in Abilene also had this model. So in addition to running her photograph gallery in Abilene, Mrs. Levi actually offered organs for sale as well. Mrs. Gainsford, though, turns to other types of business ventures, offering sewing machines and becoming one of the authorized agents for the White Company sewing machine in that part of Kansas in the late 1870s and early 1880s. Mrs. Gainsford also opens an ice cream parlor, and both the sewing machine gallery and the ice cream parlor are adjoining her photograph gallery. So it's in addition to her photographs, not instead of her photographs. Her notice for the ice cream parlor in 1877 is kind of funny. The headline is crystallized ice cream. And it says, Mrs. Gainsford has opened an ice cream parlor adjoining her photograph gallery and is prepared to furnish the public day or night with a very superior article of cream made on an improved scientific plan. Now, while Mrs. Gainsford is successfully running her gallery and the ice cream parlor and the sewing machine shop, what about James Gainsford? Well, he was a marshal, but that's just an elected position at Great Bend, and it was just for a couple of years. And so after he stops doing that, he turns to some other things. And in 1882, we actually find a notice in the paper that he has been cited for breaking the law as a bootlegger. In the newspaper, it says that there were five gentlemen they were looking for in conjunction with this bootlegging operation, and James Gainsford couldn't be found. He, quote, has gone somewheres for the present, at least. I don't know whether he leaves permanently at that point, but he does leave from town. And so by 1885, when the Kansas census is done, Minerva Gainsford has apparently decided that James isn't coming back. She lists herself as the, quote, widowed head of the household. And that household now consists of Mrs. Gainsford herself, her daughter Ada, who is now 14, Jesse Weaver Gainsford, her nephew, and a young woman named Reddy Shira. Now, Reddy Shira, like Mrs. Gainsford, is listed in the 1885 Kansas census as a, quote, photographist. They're actually living in a neighboring town of Ellenwood, which is not right next to Great Bend, but it's not that far away. And Mrs. Gainsford continues to run her studio in Great Bend, even though she's living in Ellenwood. All right, so that was 1885. Mrs. Gainsford thinks she's a widow, and she's still doing photography. In fact, her business is going really, really well. She's taking out big ads in the newspaper, and 
talking about perhaps in February, she's thinking of building a new brick house and studio that would replace her existing original wooden one there in Great Bend. But then in March, suddenly the unexpected happens and James Gainsford is back in town. Not really a lot of information about what happened when he presented himself back at home, and the news instead focuses on Mrs. Gainsford's continuing to run that gallery. And then in May, she's actually leaving town for a little bit, leaving her gallery in Great Bend in the hands of another woman, while Mrs. Gainsford and yet another woman go to St. John and set up a new business for that woman. Now, that photographer who winds up in St. John is that Reddy Shira the woman who was living with Mrs. Gainsford in 1885. So in June of 1886, Mrs. Gainsford comes back, and Ada, her daughter, actually goes to St. John to help uh, Miss Shira, I suppose. The ads for Mrs. Gainsford's studio continue that summer, and again, they're big, they're boxed, and they just proclaim Mrs. M. Gainsford, the leading photographer, established in 1873, Great Bend, Kansas. But then there's a little notice in August of 1886 that Mrs. Gainsford is on the sick list, which brings us to September 2nd, 1886, and this notice in the newspaper. Died at a residence in Great Bend on Monday, August 30th, 1886, at 6.30 a.m., Mrs. Minerva Gainsford, wife of James Gainsford, age 33 years, 7 months, and 11 days, of peritonitis after four weeks' terrible suffering. Everything that medical skill and nursing could do was done to save the life of the deceased lady, and when her death was announced, a cloud was cast over the community. Mrs. Gainsford was married in Abilene in 1871. Mr. Gainsford came to Great Bend in 1872, and Mrs. Gainsford followed in 1874. She opened a photograph gallery, and by perseverance and determination built up a good business was one of the foremost artists in the state. So Minerva Hendricks Gainsford died of peritonitis in September of 1886. There's another obituary in another paper the next day that is a little bit over the top, but let me just read you a little of that. It says, died. The death of Mrs. Gainsford Monday morning was very sad news in the city. She had been sick about a month, and last week the impression prevailed that she was improving. She was among the first settlers here and was highly esteemed by all who knew her. She leaves an only child, a young lady, and a little boy, a sister's child, whom she had taken when an infant to raise. These children are suddenly left alone in the world, bereft almost without a moment's warning of one who was all the earth to them, and their burden in this untimely affliction is most melancholy. It was interesting that the children are portrayed as being orphans in that obituary. James Gainsford was, of course, back in town. So James becomes the executor of the will, and he sells Mrs. Gainsford's studio to Mrs. S.B. Hale in 1886. I'll have to tell you more about Mrs. S.B. Hale in another podcast. His daughter, Ada, who at this point is only 15 when her mother dies, and who puts her own notice in the paper thanking everyone for all their kindness and trying to take care of her mother when she was ill and when she died. Well, Ada is a notice in the paper in October. She's gotten a job as a clerk at a news agency there in Great Bend. But then in November of 1886, there's another notice that Ada Gainsford has eloped with Will Evans. Now, 
I got to wondering, you know, was that true love really? Or was she just trying to get out of the house because she just couldn't stand having to live with her father again? Will and Ada Evans wind up married for many decades. He dies unexpectedly in 1920, but they seem like they're happy before that. So I'm going to say it was really true love. In March of 1887, there are two curious notices about James Gainsford and his daughter. I know one, it mentions that James Gainsford is the executor of his wife's will and that he's given his daughter a lovely, elegant gold watch. There's another notice that month that says James Gainsford has built a brick house for her daughter and her new husband, Will Evans. Now, of course, that brick house mentioned brought to mind that brick house that Mrs. Gainsford had dreamt of building to house her studio. Is that the same house? Is that something that James Gainsford finished and then gave to his daughter? Of course, I don't have any way of knowing that. But I do know that Mrs. Gainsford's story, I mean, I was just really struck. At such a young age, she starts building this photography business and then other businesses in a town that was truly something out of the Wild Wild West movies and TV shows that I grew up watching. This was a rough-and-tumble place. From every description that I've read in the newspapers and in that history book that I read from at the beginning of this podcast, the fact that Mrs. Gainford was able to build her business successfully during that period and then, of course, continued to build it after the town sort of cleaned up its act, that just speaks to her prowess as a businesswoman and the fact that she eventually was able to expand into businesses even beyond photography while still running a thriving photography gallery. Can you only imagine what Mrs. Gainsbury could have done? I mean, her business was thriving right before she died. She was dreaming of expanding her studio and building this beautiful brick house. Mrs. Gainsford dies in the mid-1880s, and that's just when a lot of her contemporaries are really starting to take off, building their businesses with multiple locations, some of them even eventually expanding into photocars. Uh, take Mrs. Reland, who I've talked about here on the podcast. She really was able to build her empire up over the decades, just when Mrs. Gainsford, unfortunately, passes away. And so I got to wonder what Mrs. Gainsford could have accomplished had she not been struck down so tragically young. So even though this is a very sad story in the end, in terms of how Mrs. Gainsford died, I find the story of Mrs. Gainsford inspiring for what a woman could do in the early days in a town where there wasn't a lot of services and you really had to use your own resources to build and make a life and business all your own. So in today's episode notes, I'll include some of those ads that I mentioned by Mrs. Gainsford in the newspapers. And I'll also include a couple of photographs that my husband Chris and I own that were done by Mrs. Gainsford. I'm also going to include a picture of the white sewing machine that I happened upon yesterday, the day I was actually preparing for this podcast, when I visited a place called the Ballard Reuse here in Seattle, Washington. I mean, talk about a coincidence. I'm reading about Mrs. Gainsford selling the white sewing machine, and I walk into the store that's just selling all kinds of things that came from old houses, and there in front of me is a white sewing machine. I really want to thank the Ballard Reuse Place for allowing me to take pictures, which I'm going to share, as I said, on the podcast today. 
All of that will be in the episode notes for today's episode, as usual, on my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. If you have any questions or just want to drop me a line, send an email to podcast at p3photographers.net. And remember, you can follow Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols on Facebook at facebook.com slash p3photographers. I'd like to give a special thank you to Karen P. Neufroth of the Barton County Historical Society. Karen has done a great deal of research on Mrs. Minerva Gainsford, and it was fun when my husband and I were in Great Bend a couple of years ago to have a chance to talk with Karen and compare notes about the wonderful yet tragic story of Mrs. Minerva Gainsford. It's always fun to find a kindred spirit, someone who's interested in these early women artists and photographers too. So I really want to thank Karen for taking the time to share her knowledge with us that day. The Barton County Historical Society also has a very cute museum, and I highly recommend if you're passing through Great Bend that you check it out. And a special shout out to the Ballard Reuse Company here in Seattle, Washington, once again for their kindness in letting me take pictures of that white sewing machine. I also want to thank the young man at the Ballard Reuse who works there, who never did tell me his name, but whose name tag just said sale. But he was really special to take the time to actually act as my sort of assistant as he set up the sewing machine so I could take the pictures that I'm sharing on the website today. So I'll put a link to the Barton County Historical Museum and also to the Ballard Reuse place in the episode notes along with all the photographs. Finally, just a quick note. Today marks the end of season four here on the podcast. As I announced in the last mini episode a couple of days ago, I'm going to take a little hiatus before the start of season five. Although I was originally planning to start season five in October, due to some travel and other commitments this fall, I'm going to actually push back the start of season five to November 1st. My plan is to post a couple of quick updates uh, along the way in September and October, but probably not on a regular schedule. Remember, if you subscribe to the podcast via Spotify or Apple Podcast or any of the podcast directories, you'll be sure to get anything that gets posted outside the normal schedule. As always, I want to thank everyone for your ongoing support of this project. It's amazing that it's been four seasons so far and actually 50 episodes. I truly appreciate all the feedback, encouragement, and support. A special thank you, as always, to my husband, Chris Cooley. In addition to enjoying the benefits of all his technical expertise for creating our database and other research tools, I always find it so much fun to go on the hunt together to track down details for yet another new-to-us early women artisan photographer. Anyway, that's it for today. Look for the next full season of regular Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols episodes to kick off November 1st. Until then, I'm Lee, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.